Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, how worry and anxiety are connected. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to the chat. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. One of the great things about being the host of Attention Talk Radio is you get to learn a lot as you uh, as you interview guests. Um, today's show is one that we're repurposing because great content is really, really good content. And I, uh, I got to tell you, I learned a lot about the connection between worry and anxiety that really made a lot of sense. Uh, we wanted to share this again because I think you'll have a lot of value. So we're going to roll the tape and just note that uh, if you begin to think about anxiety in the context of this interview, we begin to understand the root is worry. And there's a link there to working memory and executive function. So with that, we hope you enjoy the show. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. I'm I'm thrilled about this particular topic tonight. We're uh, we're here talking about the relationship between worry and anxiety. And I know a feeling is a feeling. We have feeling and lots of times it's just a feeling. But I learned over the years if you if you break things down with specificity and you understand them, it actually makes it easier for some people to manage. And so when you start with our title, it says the difference between worry and anxiety. Is there a difference between worry and anxiety? And if there isn't, that's one thing. But if there is, what is the difference? Well, the difference is that uh, anxiety is a physiological response to a series of thoughts or a situation. And worry are the thoughts that produce the anxiety. So. I think a lot of times people confuse them or use them interchangeably, and 
really uh, anxiety is something we feel everywhere. We feel it in our increased heart rate. We feel it in the shortness of breath, maybe sweaty palms. Whereas worry is really about the negative thinking and mm-hmm. the ex- exaggerated uh, thought responses, uh, cognitions even, that we have to various situations or potential situations. Because usually anxiety, that full body response, is related to misperceiving certain things. So we, we, we see something. We misperceive it in our head in terms of the process of thinking, and then our body responds. So um, if we have a, a, a situation, is it always a misunderstanding? Like, so if you're walking along and you see like a bear chasing you, it seems to me mm. that you have a physical response to that. Uh, is that the same thing or is that something different? No, that is part of it. That is actually what is a healthy uh, in, you know, sort of stress response. And in that situation, your, your eyes perceive the bear. They send the message to your amygdala, which activates the cortisol system in your brain. And your amygdala says, run in the other direction. And your whole body turns around and runs in the other direction. That's great. And you, let's say that you're walking along in the forest and you, you know, basically hear the crunching of sticks and you see the bear. Then you have a series of thoughts and perceptions around when bears appear. But then maybe three weeks later, you're walking in the same area of the woods and you hear the crunching of the, the sticks. Your body has that same response. Your heart rate mm-hmm. goes up. You start to breathe quickly. And really, then you see a squirrel. And that mm-hmm. is the sort of conditioned, more anxious response. So your brain has to actually undo that response and calm down and what helps brains undo that response so really what helps brains are two things one is um, actually getting the thinking brain back in charge because when the amygdala takes over it puffs itself up and instead of being a passenger from the back seat it pushes the driver aside and starts driving the car that we call our bodies Really what we want to do is keep the amygdala back where it belongs and the size where it's supposed to be in the limbic system and not taking over the brain through these exaggerated Mm -hmm. feelings and responses. Um, And so language actually helps people um, access the frontal lobes and the executive functions that live there. Another thing that really helps people is actually getting into their body because when the brain is having this massive Um, cortisol response usually people are not really connected to the rest of themselves and if they can start to sort of calm down and breathe they'll get a little perspective and that will also help bring the thinking in so when I what I work with people to do is something called stop think act and I actually wrote about this in my book so you stop what you're doing immediately Mm -hmm. if you can then you, um, and, and some of that stopping really involves um, noticing what's happening in your body and what's happening around you. Then the next mm-hmm. thing that you have to do is actually do some breathing. And sometimes that can be nostril breathing from yoga. Sometimes yep. that can be belly breathing. And sometimes that can be, as one of my clients taught me, you know, smell the flower, blow out the candle. Yep. So yep. Um, then you move into thinking which is what's actually really happening now. So you reorient your perceptions to the moment. 
And then the final thing is once you've reoriented, you decide how you want to act that's appropriately to what's happening in the moment. Because most of anxiety is about what could happen, not necessarily mm-hmm. what's happening right now. Yep. You know, I want to, this is a fascinating conversation because I uh, recently on Attention Talk video, I did a uh, presentation. I talked about rest and I related rest and athletics in my experience as a swimmer. And I got a comment saying, I wish you would do some more of that. And, you know, it's funny because we're talking about anxiety here and the language and talking and, and these types of things to begin to lower those levels of anxiety. It's interesting because as an athlete at different times, I was actually trying to increase the level of anxiety. As a young child in high school, I actually qualified for U.S. Nationals. And by the time I went through college between Olympic trials and U.S. Nationals and World Game trials, I had attended probably a dozen of these major meets. And I remember actually sometimes behind the blocks, you're sitting there and if you watch other athletes – they're sitting there breathing and they're focusing and it's almost like I'm trying to create that level of anxiety to get that adrenaline so I can perform at a higher level. And it's funny because it's kind of weird. It's like I did it in reverse of what we're talking about yeah. here as opposed mm-hmm. to rid yourself of the negative from a sports way. You're supposed to, I'm going to win this. I'm going to kick this. You try to visualize that and you're trying to get, up, get your anxiety levels up so that adrenaline rush goes so you can perform at a higher level. And it's funny because it's the same thing. It's just the other side of that coin. And I'm telling you about it. I, as, a, as an athlete, I know like having to go through that training is a process that it just doesn't come to you. You actually have to kind of practice it a little bit. Is this metaphor well, exactly, accurate? So accurate and so, and, and so interesting because you actually have to practice anxiety management. It doesn't come naturally. And for people with ADHD who tend to be – um, uh, living with a lot of strong emotions because one of the challenges of having ADHD is that emotional, you know, regulation. Yep. Uh, when they, there's a feeling of anxiety or stress, it's a big feeling, right? It's a tidal wave yep. of feeling. And so you have to practice how you're going to grab your lifeboat and paddle along. It's not something yep. that happens naturally. And, and usually what, ha- what I observe is that most people when they're feeling anxious, particularly young people, is they want reassurance. They want to go to someone who's going to make it better for them or tell them it's going to be okay. And the problem with that is that the locus of control is now external. It's outside of you. And really what you need the locus of control to be is inside of you, internal, so that you can know how to, you know, how to soothe yourself. So that when you're 25 and you don't want to get on an airplane, you're able to say to yourself, you know, I want to go to my um, my my friend's um, graduation from law school more than I want to be afraid of getting on a plane. So I'm going to force myself. Yep. I'm going to force myself to confront that anxiety and say, look, I can do this. I've yep. done other yep. things that were hard for me and applying it to that anxiety. And so that's one type of practice. The other type is related to what you're saying, which is how am I going to calm myself down? What have I done in the past that's worked? And what have I done? What can I do now? Being able to link to past successes and pull them into the present is key in managing anxiety. And frankly, for people with ADHD, 
who have working memory challenges and perhaps also challenges with processing speed, that can be the hardest thing. Slowing down enough to remember and bring it into the present. Absolutely. Tell you what, let's take a break here. And come back because I want to go to the worry side and tie these two things together. Uh, before we go to our sure. break, you have a book that's coming out. Can you just share with our listeners uh, with the book and how they're like when we expect it out and how they might get a hold of it if they're interested? Thanks so much, Jeff. Yes, uh, my book is called uh, What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, and it's coming out August 7th from Penguin Random House, and it's on Amazon right now for pre-order. You can also find a link to it on my website. DrSharonSeline.com, um, and I think it's going to be on Barnes & Noble website and Goodreads as well. Well, the good thing is if we go to your website, we can find it all there and find more about you all at the same place, right? It's a one-stop shopping experience. There we go. And that's her <laughs> website is D-R-S-H-A-R-O-N-S-A-L-I-N-E.com. Tonight's Secret Words Connected. Again, Tonight's Secret Words Connected. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody. We're back here with Sharon having a great conversation about the relationship between worry and anxiety. And uh, before the break, we were talking about anxiety and the biological response. Uh, with that said, what is worry? Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Sharon about worry and anxiety. Before the break, we were talking about um, anxiety and the physical response. Uh, Sharon, talk to us. What is worry? Worry is a series of thoughts um, that are directed by negative thinking. And negative thinking to me is, are, is like a series of racing cars that say things like, you can't do this, uh, everyone is better than you, uh, things don't work out, et cetera, et cetera. And it's almost as if we need a traffic cop in our brains to stop the stop the, to stop the cars so we can cross the street. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so ne negative thinking actually is the seed of worry because we don't worry about the thunderstorm unless we believe that we can't handle when it happens, right? So I have mm -hmm. students in my practice who are afraid of thunderstorms. And what are they afraid of? They are afraid that the thunderstorm, is going, that the lightning is going to hit their house, that they're um, not going to be safe. They don't think that they could manage if that happened. So you can explain to them that, you know, well, that's unlikely, and if it did hit our house, we'd be okay because of blah, blah, blah. It's not going to help them because what the thinking is, 
I can't handle myself if that happened, or I don't know what I would do if that happened. And so that uncertainty, that fear is part of the worry as well. So we have the negative thinking and it marries the fear and we get worried. And so, so worry is negative thinking. Um, how is it related? I'm just, I'm actually thinking out loud. Is there a difference between worry and attitude or is that kind of the same well, thing? Well, there are two kinds. Well, there are two kinds of worry. There's toxic worry and there's productive worry. So toxic, so let's do productive worry. So productive worry is, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I'm, in tra- I'm in traffic and there's a big backup and I'm going to be late for my appointment. So it's productive worry because you think I'm not going to make my appointment on time and then what am I going to do about that? And so you mm-hmm. manage that. Um, mm-hmm. Toxic worry is when you, you are worried about things that are absolutely outside of your control. So you're in that traffic jam. You're going to be late. You call. You let them know. You're going to lose your medical appointment, and you'll have to reschedule. You can be worried about that entire thing, and then it's just going to eat away at you. I'm late. I'm going to miss my, my doctor's appointment. I'm going to have to reschedule. Oh, my God, I don't have a lot of time for, to, to go down to the doctor. This is really inconvenient. I needed to have that, you know, appointment. Yep. You just go into this whole cycle, correct? That's toxic yep. worry. So you can look at any situation with either type of worry, productive worry. I'm going to be late. I can deal with it. You know, I will have to reschedule. It's not the end of the world. It will be okay versus the other kind of worry. So is, is that attitude? Yes. But it's also an understanding of your own competency. Because if you don't feel like you can manage things fundamentally, then you're going to be more prone to toxic worry because you're going to want to try to control things in an effort to make yourself feel better. So this is, this is fascinating to me. I'm having a couple of big ahas. <clears throat> It's understanding one's own competency or even having confidence, confidence <coughs> excuse me, in one's own ability to get things done or to get through it? Exactly, exactly. Because what you want to say to the worry is, I can, I can handle this. Back off. You know, I'm going to get on that plane. Yep. I'm going to be scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you can just sit down because I've got this. I'm, I can handle it. I have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I did other things or... I, I'm going to be late for the doctors, and I'll figure it out. You know, I'll cancel my afternoon, or I'll reschedule in a way that works. I will figure this out. I have the ability to do that. That means then worry will have to retreat. The other way, mm-hmm. the other thing that's important in what I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking about is that you separate yourself from the worry. You are not the worry. You talk back to the worry. And that yep. little action of creates space, enough for your competency and your self-confidence to emerge. Well, it's interesting because we go back to a little bit earlier is you want to pause and bring your thinking brain online to say what's really there. And by separating yourself and maybe even naming the worry, you get out of it to reduce the emotion so you can say, hey, this really – I'm worried about getting on an airplane or something. But at the end of the day – let me think about this. Very few airplanes actually fall. What are the probabilities? I got more of a chance of getting hit walking down the sidewalk in New York than on an airplane. You, you're exactly. naming it and backing off and taking the emotion out of it and beginning to think for what it is to downregulate that worry and downregulate the anxiety. Is that accurate? 
Absolutely. One of the things that I do with people who are anxious and have a lot of worries is we sort of take on one or two of the main ones to try to model how this kind of different thinking uh, mm-hmm. towards anxiety works. And one of the things that I like to ask them is the question, and then what? So you're yep. in your car, you're in a traffic jam, you're going to miss your doctor's appointment, and then what? And then what? And to try to get to the end of the line of their thinking, which usually is an absurd absurd belief. You know, and then I'm going to lose my career and I will um, never earn any money again. And by that time, we're laughing, you know, because yep. it's ridiculous, right? So if we can help people kind of, have a little bit more of a sense of humor about it by thinking to the end of the line of what their biggest worry is, then they can start to shrink that anxiety down into a manageable size. It's, you know, it's, I, I, I'm loving this conversation because as an athlete, I think of everything in terms of exercise, but if you're sitting there and you've got a lot of toxic worry and somebody else is asking you, and then what, and then what, and then what, and then what, to me, it's a, it's an exercise. You're building the skill of working your way to the end to get to something that's rational to downregulate so that you can prevent the, uh, the anxiety, which is the physical reaction to the worry. Is that, that that's sense? exactly right. It's building a muscle. That's exactly yep. right. And a lot and, uh, of times what's at, the, what's at the end of the line and is not just, you know, is humorous, but there's also what I've discovered for a lot of people is, and then I'll be really disappointed. Hmm. And so, you know, being able to tolerate disappointment is a skill. It's a practice. It's a fitness routine, really, because we don't come into the world with a fully formed disappointment muscle. We have to build it over time. And that means that we're going to have to experience discomfort. And anxiety and worry are all about avoiding discomfort. But think about it. How did any of us get to be where we are without feeling uncomfortable sometimes overcoming it and managing disappointments along the way? So, Again, another athletic athleteism, if you will, similar type of thing. Over the years, I've, earlier I described going to major swim meets. So you spend six months out of your life doing everything, in my, in my situation, for a 100-meter swim. It took about a minute, you know what I'm saying? And I would always come yeah. back. The first couple of years from big meets, I began to realize that I was really, really down and out. Now, my parents would ask me, and I would, I would chew their head off, and I was kind of cranky. And then... After it happened a couple times, I began to realize that I was always depressed when it was over with, and I coined the it post-trip blues. So I was all excited <laughs> about this kind of stuff, and I always came back, and I remember it was post-trip blues, and I began to name it and realize there's really nothing I could do about it. It was going to happen. And so when it actually happened, it really I – was, I was still kind of depressed and down, but it wasn't the same kind. I wasn't really worried about it. I kind of expected it, but I also knew that it was going to pass. And so I really didn't – I mean, it was there, but I didn't really dwell on it a little bit, which is funny because as I got older, my kids came along, and I started explaining this phenomenon to them. And my older son was like, yeah, and last summer, my younger son's soccer team did really, really well. It was funny because he was – I mean, he was – he came home. He was in a really, really bad mood. And I was ca- talking to my older son. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you're, my younger son's got post-trip blues because he was in that, but he wasn't aware of it. And, and I'm sharing that is because if you know that you're going to be dis- – you're, you're going to be – 
disappointed or something like that. That's kind of a part of life. I'm just sharing my perspective in is that it, if I knew that it's kind of common and I do it, it makes it a lot easier because, hey, you're going to have disappointments in life. It doesn't feel very good. But don't get caught up in it. I just know that it's going to pass if I just let it go. Make sense? Of course, but you're also preparing yourself in a way. So when you can predict that you may feel worried or you may feel uncomfortable or you may feel insecure, then your anxiety is also going to have to back down because you're saying, I am expecting that this will happen and I'm going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about that. Yep. I yep. got it. So Absolutely. You know, he, uh, I, when you go to that sort of that soccer weekend or you go to that swim meet, you have all of this adrenaline and you're looking forward to it. It's a big event. And it's normal after that to have a little letdown. So you can predict, okay, this is, I'm super looking forward to this, and I may feel a little letdown afterwards. That's normal. Yep. Get ready. Yep. So that yep. then you don't have to, like, worry and feel anxious. Oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I'm in a bad mood. We just had this great weekend. It's like, oh, right, it's just a letdown. Okay. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I tell you what, let's go to break. When I come back, kind of pull these things together because I've learned a lot from this interview. This is like spectacular and it really kind of ties into some other things that I've kind of got. Again, do you want to share uh, the title of your book uh, real quick? What your, ADHD, what your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, Working Together to Empower Kids for Success in School and Life. It's coming out uh, in early August from Penguin Random House. And you can order your copy online in the pre-order uh, process at Amazon. And also learn more about Sharon by going to her website at D-R-S-H-A-R-O-N-S-A-L-I-N-E.com. The secret word tonight, again, is connected. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips the ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great a great education on anxiety and worry. We talked about anxiety. Then we talked about worry. And, you know, Sharon, one of the things that is really standing out to me is I interviewed Dr. Russell Barkley years ago, uh, back in 2011, when he was really, really, really um, – making a case for the fact that um, ADHD is really not a deficit of attention. It's a self-regulation issue. Uh, self-regulation is a major executive functioning, which we know is, is, a, is a big deal. And as he described, emotion is as much a part of ADHD as attention because it's something that you have to regulate. 
And from that point in time forward, it really changed the way I look at ADHD and actually how I coach. And I find some people struggle more with the emotional side. Some people struggle more with the attention side. Um, but what I found interesting here is that we have a, we've broken this down and we've talked about the automatic brain um, and the executive functioning brain. And more and more, uh, self-regulation is about engaging the executive functioning brain to override the automatic. And I, I liked when we're talking about worry, when you have that bad, that toxic worry, um, the notion of backing up and naming it and, and then what, and then what, and then what as an attention exercise, if you will, that you do, like you take math classes and you do problems, you practice it, you know what I'm saying? And then what, and then what, and then what, you do it over and over and over and you begin to distance, you use your executive functioning brain to distance yourself from that automatic brain that's going to the worry and then once you're thinking about it and you separate that emotion, it down-regulates that and <clears throat> manifests in terms of less uh, anxiety, if you will. And so it's kind of funny because more and more I think people think of hey, you take a pill or whatever, but no, there's a, there's a mental side of this because they struggle more with, with the regulation. And to go through these types of exercise and focus on those negative thoughts and the worry to get at the anxiety really makes to me like it makes a lot of sense and there's a cause and effect relationship and you can willfully impact it by doing this on a regular basis. That's absolutely correct because we all know that the pills for ADHD help make people uh, more present and attuned to learning the skills. And anxiety is so much about emotional regulation and thought direction, as it were. You know, yep. you want to sort of redirect your thoughts. I, I like the metaphor of the GPS. You know how you get in your car and yep. you make a wrong turn and your GPS says very neutrally, rerouting, right? <clears throat> That's kind of what we want to do when we're, fe we're having, yep. you know, a stress attack or a panic or feeling, you know, overwhelmed. We want to be able to tell ourselves neutrally, rerouting and that's going to come from that take you know stopping you know being able to breathe pause thinking perceiving what's happening around you and and noticing what's actually going on instead of what you think is going on and then choosing action that's related to what you perceive correctly you know one of the things i think about a lot are you know high school high school seniors who are very anxious, um, who are applying to college. Not all seniors go to college, but those who do yep. often get swept up into this super intense college process. And um, the college process is a great time to practice this, and it's a really hard time to practice this. Because the reality is you, you give it your best shot, right? You put everything into your application, you write a good essay, you do as well as you can on the exams, and you hopefully have done you know, over, throughout high school, you, you know, you, it's all together. It's one package, yep. it's a record, and you send it. And then you can do nothing. And so there is so much toxic worry that's attached to that process because you worry, will I get in, won't I get in, what happens if I don't get in, what if I don't go to the, get into the right school, what if the school I go to isn't the right school for me. And the fact is, like, if you follow it down the line, it's like, okay, well, if I end up at a place that I don't like, I'll transfer. And mm -hmm. is that horrible? No. Or maybe I'll take a gap year or whatever. Like, yep. And so we have to be able to, you know, 
redirect ourselves enough away from the toxic worry to think productively about it. Yep, absolutely. One other point that I want to make with regard to this and relating it to um, athletics and exercise, because I think people miss the point on this, is that you do have to do this and you have to practice it. But just like Mm -hmm. exercise, like for me, I swam, God, for like 20 years, and I have some muscle memory. So I I get – there's a certain level in my baseline, my bottom line is a little bit high, well, higher than what it was, but I still get out of shape, mm. and I always have to practice to kind of get back in shape. And you just do this stuff for a little bit. It's not like you do it for, for like a month or two months and it's done. If you're an anxious person, it's the regular practice. You've kind of built that skill level, and you get a little bit of muscle memory so you get better, but you just can't abandon it. It's something that you need to work with over a period of time in order to manage it, to go to the anxiety. And that's one of the things I don't think people think of. Uh, when it comes to ADHD in the world is that these exercises and stuff are to build that skill. And it's not a, it's not a cure all. It's not a fix. It's like a reprogram and a rewiring. And if you stick with it, I think that mindset really, it changes the game. I'm not, nothing wrong with me. I'm just going through my attention exercises, if you will, to say, and then what, and then what to downregulate my worries so I can impact or positively impact the anxiety that I'm feeling in my life. And there's, again, there's a blueprint to make this happen. Correct. And I, I think that, you know, being the, the challenge is that when you're in the middle of feeling flooded, thinking, stopping, you know, redirecting, these are the hardest things to be able to do. So you have to be in pretty good shape, you know, emotionally, yep. you know, cognitively speaking, to be able to notice that your anxiety is a red flag, not you know, that something's going on. You know, I notice for myself that when I'm feeling anxious, I ask myself, oh, okay, there's that anxiety red flag. What am I afraid of? And how realistic is that fear? Yep. And what do I want to do about it? And if you can kind of practice that, and sometimes I practice it, and really sometimes I don't. I'm not perfect. Um, yep. But if you can practice that 50% of the time, you're, you're, you're a little bit ahead of the game, Right. Because yep. you're, be- you're better than you were, and you're on your way to where you'd like to go. As an aside, not to get too in-depth, we did an interview with uh, Autumn Zatani years ago from Sesame Street talking about how in season 43 they used the Muppets to help the, the children identify emotions and name them and actually identify how they felt. And the idea is, it is earlier you used to use the word the fudding feeling. If you feel that fudding feeling, that often is a trigger that you're in it and sometimes can be the trigger to help people begin this process that we kind of talked about. Uh, not the easiest thing to do in this space, but I do think that this was really helpful discerning the difference between the two so that we can actually begin to manage it, just not uh, and more willfully and specifically. You want to manage it and not have it be managing you. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and hopefully today we gave you guys a, a clear you, got, you know what you can pay attention to do this. So any last tidbits before we wrap it up, or have we covered it all? I think, I think the other thing that we didn't really talk about related anxiety is to be kind to yourself. Uh, you're mm-hmm. having a response that you can't, may not be able to control or understand. And so slowing things down through that breathing um, is, and, and, and really looking at what you can control and what you can't and how you can sit with your discomfort is the key to managing your anxiety. So be nice to yourself. 
Your anxiety is trying to communicate something. The goal is to figure out what that is, and then you can reduce it. Touche, touche. Sharon, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. So great to be here. I always love talking to you, Jeff. Everybody, we really hope you've enjoyed tonight's show. Learn more about Sharon at her website, D-R-S-H-A-R-O-N-S-A-L-I-N-E.com. With that, we hope you've enjoyed tonight. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.